0: I'm Dylan Rafferty, and this is How You Sell Without Selling Out. Roger's That.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Roger's Healy, the host of Roger's That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. Today we have a newer friend of mine, somebody that I've been able to follow for a long time, thanks to the Internet gods and LinkedIn and Facebook and social media in general. And uh, there's a lot of words I could use to describe uh, my pal Dylan. Uh, I'm going to choose one of them. Uh, I think Dylan uh, is has a purpose, and I think that when you meet somebody that has a purpose, uh, everything just kind of falls into place. He's an activist. He's somebody that has uh, leveraged um, his background to go and make literally the world a better place, and I am excited to learn his story, excited to share his story, and as of today, I also found out that he is an author. Um, This book is called Occupy a Special Education, Children Should Be Seen and Heard, and I don't want to. ruin your day, but I have an autographed copy that is headed to the Framers as soon as we're done. And so Dylan um, is going to share his story and kind of talk to us about what you've been through as a man and as a leader, and how you've made the world a better place. So, thanks for being here today.
0: Well, thank you, Rogers. It's a pleasure, and I'm I'm very delighted to be here on this uh, podcast with
1: you. Yeah, how did my uh, intro go? Was that one? It was really good. Oh, okay, good. It was good. Yeah, it's short, brief, but it was great. Well, let's expand on it. Here, here's what it said: <laughs> Dylan is an activist, a disability inclusion advocate, a published author, a public speaker, a social entrepreneur, and a nonprofit professional. Through overcoming his disabilities, Dylan has been able to provide a voice and a platform for others through founding the North Texas Disability Chamber. Yeah, I'm a fan. I think that I should have just said I'm, I'm a fan. But, there you go. But uh, here we are to share your story. So maybe give us a little background on uh, on Dylan and what led you to being an entrepreneur who's barely 32 years old. I thought I, I walked in. I was like, What year did you graduate high school? I'm like, Oh, I was like, Oh, I was. Yeah. I was unfortunately 10 years into real estate at that time. But, well,
0: uh, I'll just tell you this. So. I, I had a, a birth defect growing up, and uh, I knew uh, from that point, uh, being hospitalized as a young uh, baby at the time, I had to go through a lot of different obstacles. And in those obstacles, I also found a way to persevere and to overcome. And uh, because of that, it kind of uh, transcended into public education. And so I wanted to be academically challenged is why I gave you an autographed copy of my book. And the idea behind that was three things. One, the importance of having transitional guidance throughout your time in education and any journey that you come from. Second is having a mentor. That somebody who you can relate to, who's going to uh, provide you guidance on whatever direction that you want to take. And the third thing is really making sure that you have that important relationship, whether it's your teacher, your coach, your administrator, throughout your time in education. And then believe it or not, since I published that book, I founded a company, Get listed, which was about um, employment opportunities for people with disabilities and our disabled veterans um, throughout that time. And then since then, I've pivoted to advocacy and leading in the nonprofit realm when it comes to disability inclusion.
1: All this in three decades, um, which most people don't have an ounce of that uh, over the span of of 10 decades. So, you know, you said at a young age you you obviously um, fought through and you learned perseverance and and resiliency and all those big important words that most people will never understand what it means. But how old were you when you realized, okay, this is an opportunity, you know, and, and this is an opportunity to go and help people that don't have your... You know, your strengths.
0: So the, the challenge was in, in high school, uh, it all started with the making a difference project. Uh, at the time, Ms. Sharon Townsend, who no longer lives here today, uh, she uh, taught me an important lesson of, through our English department and said, do a project that you're passionate about and find a way to make a difference. And sure enough, I did something in regards to um going from March 1st back at the time, which was a big march, for um, spreading awareness for those with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And then from there, I kind of uh, saw my passion, my community that I relate to. And shortly after high school, went through the whole uh, phase of college learning and so forth, I found my niche. My niche was my peers and my peers who needed a voice someone who can relate to them and also speak for them in regards to the challenges that we face and one of those fa- challenges
1: is employment and so I found how, how old are you at this time I was at 21 22 years old and have you had you had a lot of friends that were employed at the time no but you just felt like your job was to help other people find a job that historically maybe wouldn't find a job as easier as yeah as or
0: disrupt the, the system so for example when I founded the idea You know, I had a couple mentors, and there were very mighty mentors, including Mike Wells, who is uh, currently the CEO of Weld Bunny Ice Cream uh, uh, Company, and he shared the idea of do your research, find the people that you need to connect with, and then eventually found my network and and learned from parents. So Becky Igo out of Plano said, Dylan, let's, let's get a group of people together. And sh- share your ideas. What 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 needs to be fixed? What you were the
1: original person that wanted to go and broker all this. But for real, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you were like, the first person to actually, you know, it's it's one thing to have an idea, it's another thing to actually lead the idea. Yes, that's true. So, but
0: but the challenge was is getting buy-in. And so for example, disabilities, the employment, the community itself, they were already in. It was getting the buy-in from the state contractors that provide funding mechanism for it, as well as For employers so the discussion around disabilities was not evident at that time whereas whereas now disability inclusion is the forefront of part of your diversity equity and inclusion efforts Mm -hmm. and so i'll just tell you there are so many different people but at the early stage of entrepreneurship i met uh well i knew him when i was 12 and 13 years old mr tony fleo of social venture partners in dallas he told me the idea of uh meeting somebody in the entrepreneur space and that was uh kevin vila kevin vila uh, you're joking i just got called kevin yeah well there you go kevin vila so he was my guy he introduced me to kevin and oh, kevin uh, inter- uh when i sat in his office and not far from here he uh said what's your pitch and in short minute and a half i gave him my pitch and sure enough he said dylan you don't have an exit strategy this is your lifetime mission
1: Huh. this is your mission for the rest of your life how old were you i was 23 was it heavy to hear that kind of i mean
0: it was heavy at first in a good way
1: I mean, in a good way yeah but he was
0: damn right yeah and i'm telling you i really <laughs> really enjoyed that because uh you know some some people this is their uh come and go exit strategy and so forth uh you're not
1: here to build it and sell it. you're here to build it and build it
0: build a community and then maintain it huh. and and really help it grow uh there's only upward and onward the, from there but i think it, it's those people like kevin Villa, uh, tony fleo and uh, becky iago or mike wells of the worlds who are con- constantly involving me to help understand how to you know start your entrepreneurship journey start your passion align your passion to things that help elevate what you're trying to
1: accomplish what's you name it
0: so my business was Dylan Listed. So, you know, Rogers, uh, he always yeah. says, Dylan Listed. So the reason was we were looking online, uh, there was uh, Angie's List. There was all these different names. And I'm like, I might have just do Dylan Listed and then ED at the end to make it a little different. But it was about empowered here, hired here was sort of the slogan. And so we went through the whole journey. Uh, and sure enough, later, I realized I have to pivot. Because uh, there was a lot of things that, uh, uh, a lot of things that were not on my side. So I had to pivot. I had to knew, I knew that government was not on my side when it comes to funding for employment opportunities. They were not getting a, an accurate percentage of employment for people with disabilities. I knew that employers had his own challenges, and I know that families specifically hindered one's ability to want to grow and, and be independent. At that time, more families were more reliant on protecting them in their own circles. And so the challenge for me was, how do I educate? And so that's when I realized I need to change the mission and focus on educating people and being a part of... This is something
1: you had to come up with on your own. Like you're saying, even that mindset, living as a business owner is one thing, but doing it as a business owner where your impact is in the community is a a whole different thing. So here you are a few years in. So your mission, not your business, it's your business, but it's a mission and you have to go and completely turn a 180. And that's because there's, look, and I'm all about people. You can, you can defend goodness. You can change things. But when you're going up against the government and funding and stuff, yes, then you made a really, really smart move. Yeah. And and that's what a business owner does.
0: Well, again, you have to investigate as much as possible. And not everything is going to be on your side, especially when it comes to uh, you know, so for example, at the time workforce, it was about uh, going through uh, you know a different department that provides job coaches and so forth. The challenge that we had, what I wanted was how can we provide providers like myself who were ex- third parties that were not necessarily approved vendors and and getting the funding that it needs to be able to provide opportunities. Problem was at that time. I was a different type of model of business. And it was something that Texas did not want to make the change. And that's when I knew enough fighting it, move on. And so that's when I focused on, you know, the uh, educational piece and the educational piece, yeah. And it kind of transcended, you know, this experiences kind of leads to where I am today. It, It takes a support system for anyone to achieve. So what I did as a third party business I taught people with disabilities to take ownership, help them uh, hold themselves accountable for their actions, and making sure that they're developing a plan and not being reliant on others. Although I, I cared about having a strong support system, and so because of that, as employment policy has changed, I said, you know, how I believe employment can be impactful because it is leads to employment, uh, independence, specifically housing, is transportation, healthcare. If you're employed, you can be gainfully independent. And that's the challenge that many people with disabilities face is because they don't have um, the employment or the funding to be able to be self-reliant so, who was the first audience you went after when you
1: had that realization?
0: So, when I realized that I, I wanted to meet other networks of our community, so I wanted to meet the nonprofit community. What are they doing? How are they doing it? Are they working together? Are they sharing ideas? Are they transacting? Are they, um, you know, supporting the essential needs of our communities, essentially people with disabilities? And I found out there were not there's a lot of uh, disconnect. Between nonprofits,
1: in Dallas or everywhere, everywhere.
0: But but Dallas more than Texas was more in Texas with my niche, just because itself we were self reliant on funding, funding in the state of Texas.
1: So what what was the next uh, action plan for you?
0: The action plan was to uh, start a nonprofit, uh, which was at the time get listed Connect, and I renamed it to North Texas Disability Chamber, which is as it, right well, which is right now. At the time, it was the idea that nonprofits need to come together, share ideas, focus on what works and what doesn't work, educate on issues that affect our community—from housing to transportation, healthcare, and so forth.
1: All this is on you. Basically, but I'm saying—I mean, like, I mean, obviously, it takes a village, but yes, this is all your
0: all, all my idea. But here's the thing, Rogers: Ten, ten years ago, I had a 50-year vision. And that 50-year vision, a lot of people thought I was crazy. 50? 50. 50. Uh, five, five minutes
1: is hard for me.
0: Well, <laughs> well a 50-year vision, because I knew that our community was so behind compared to other communities. And that 50-year vision, I said, I want to accomplish this. This is what I see in 10 years' time. And I believe it or not, in 10 years, I've done a lot in 10 years yeah. compared to the 50-year uh, the vision. But because of that 50-year vision, I knew what steps I needed to take. I knew what actions that I need to pivot and, and and find a new door opening for our community. And the challenge that our community has is issues like employment, housing, transportation. And I found in 2015 when I was appointed by Governor Greg Abbott on the Governor's Committee on People with Disabilities, I Were found you the youngest that, one. Nah, uh, I want to say it was the youngest one. I was uh, 25 at the time. Good lord! But but I uh, but at the time. I, I learned something new. I found policy as an avenue to change, make changes, and, and changes for the better. And because of this, I learned about how to work in, internally and externally within state agencies, working with nonprofits and working with individuals that are advocating for policies on behalf of the entire community. And because of this, I've learned uh, that a specific language in the law can change and it might increase funding for opportunities. How do you even get to those people, though?
1: I mean, you're out, these are big names. If y'all aren't in Texas, these are the people that run our state. And it's not easy to get access. Well,
0: uh, here's the thing. Before to going to the governor's committee, I learned of an event in Dallas. I attended the event. And I said, how can I get on the committee? Then I realized, let me just travel to Austin. I went over there. And I t- I'm at the time, Angie Linglish, who was the executive director, I said, I want to be on this committee. How do I get on it? Well, you have to be appointed by the governor, you have to fill out an application. I checked the application, it was like about 25 pages long, and I'm like, oh, I can't do that. But sure, sure enough, uh, about three months later, I got a call from the governor's committee and said, we've been trying to contact you, uh, we want you to apply for the you know committee. And I did, it was two or three pages long. And sure enough, three, three or four months later, I got appointed to the governor's committee. I think it's about who you know. Yeah, it's about building that network, building that trust and respect in their community, and then finding your purpose. You
1: got right? you, you got God on your side though too, man. Because the the, the the momentum that you've got, the fact that it's been only ten years, is is pretty significant. You remember the first time that you saw your work turn into something?
0: Yeah, you know the the work. I think it, the the result is often seen when people are using the result to your benefit. For example, if I'm teaching something, and for I can't remember this moment very well, but I remember going to a parent's house and trying to help this young daughter of hers to, to find herself, find her passion. And at this moment, I saw her artwork. Her artwork was remarkable. And in that artwork, I noticed some feelings behind that artwork. And I taught her, the importance of changing that color from black and white to colorful. And sure enough, her emotions showed out. And from that moment on, she found her purpose. She found her passion. Um, whatever I did in that 30, 45 minute time period, I can't remember briefly, but what I do remember is that feeling. Mm. I brought something out of her. I saw her, I gave her the bigger picture. And because of that, she's successful now. She's found her purpose, she's found her passion, she's working with organizations that she loves, and she's finding a, a way to navigate the ever-complicated world that we live in. All because you have an idea? Well, it was an idea, but also helping her find where she fits in. And I think it's hard for people to navigate without even having somebody they can rely on and help them transition. How
1: many people do you think, like that lady, you have been uh, uh, on the fringe or directly involved A hundred plus. In? Are you serious? I'm serious. Do you get to keep in touch with these people? I try to as much as I can. It's, it's gotta be impossible, especially if you're on a mission to just keep. You know, you got 40 years left on the on the 50 year plan.
0: Here's the thing: I always tell people, if I cannot help you today, I'll help you a year from now or five years from now, sometime in between. Um, there, are, there are people I have not helped yet, and part of it is because I didn't have the resource or the connection at that time. And so sometimes now, what I focus on is if there's a connection that I have. I'm going to make that connection because that person is looking for something that a connection that I already have is looking for as well. And so I try to bring them together.
1: Is it hard to, to live, I mean, as, as a fellow business owner, like I love the, I love working in the business and seeing all the other stuff and I realize that being a leader, part of it is you're kind of, you're alone, you know, and, and you have to make decisions that are better for everybody, which means you're kind of out of the minutia and out of the fun. But is that a struggle you ever, ever encounter
0: Yes, uh, so as a, in, a business uh, owner and, and nonprofit profit leader um, and, and as an extrovert, uh, Rogers, I don't know if you noticed that, I'm an extrovert. So and uh, as a diehard Mavericks fan and many other things, um, yes, I do um, struggle with, because business is 24-7 for me. Yeah. And it's something that I have to constantly so be aware But it's not business.
1: Of. you got to give yourself credit. You're, you're in the business of changing lives.
0: Yes, but it's, but you also have to realize uh, it's also a very personable, like it, like you have to dedicate time for yourself and oftentimes lonely. Yeah. And so it's a risk that a lot of people have is, you know, is this something they're going to enjoy? Absolutely. It's something I enjoy, but it's also um, a challenge because I'm pretty much lonely for most of the time yeah. because even though I'm, you're
1: around people, it's just,
0: yeah, well, and, and being an extrovert also has the, Uh, awareness that I need to be introverted sometimes because I need to dedicate
1: time for myself. So you have to time block Dylan time. Yes. Yeah, which again, I I understand this as well as anybody, which is probably a big reason I didn't get married until I was 40 because, you know, there's a fine, I don't know if there's a fine line, but the work became my obsession, my life, and then people that worked with me and for me became my friends and my family. And you look up, you're like, holy crap, I have... There's no diversity to me other than just this. But again, what you're doing is, is different. It's got to be really, really hard to turn it off. It, it, it is really hard. Yeah.
0: And then I think, but what I what I appreciate most is I was sitting at a, a diner many year, a couple years ago. I say many years, but a couple years ago. Um, in your 20s. Yeah, yeah like right. in my 20s, yes. Um, and my friends were sitting with me, and then a parent came up and said, hey, you're Della. And I, I was froze because I didn't know how to respond. But typically, my friends came in and said, yeah, this is Dylan. This is what he does. That was my proudest moment because Mm -hmm. I noticed that my closest friends recognized the work that I do, and they were able to engage with a parent that came randomly to my table at Mm Pluggers, and were watching a sports game. But but that, to me, is rewarding to know that people do recognize my work and recognize my passion and my purpose. But at the end, at times, it's challenging because it, it's a roller coaster of a yeah, journey.
1: But then God does that kind of stuff for you to just stay the course. Yes. Um, advice for those that are, maybe they have similar backgrounds to you, maybe they have a different background, maybe they want to just go and make a difference. What, what would be your elevator pitch for, for going and, and, and potentially changing somebody's life?
0: So I've shared this uh, before recently, and uh, it can be many different things. To you, Rogers, I would say invest in one. And I always say invest in one because, um, you know, believe in that person, try to give them the tools or her the tools and resources to be successful. I've had a very good group of diverse mentors, both millionaires to and entrepreneurs to nonprofit professionals, all have different areas of passion and expertise. Um, so invest in one, give them the tools and resources to be successful. The other thing is to find your purpose. Why, why is that your purpose? See, my purpose in life is to increase opportunities for people with disabilities uh, so they can have a better quality of life. That is the ultimate goal that I have. And that's the 50-year vision that I hope to accomplish within that time period. Mm. Um, And then other things is the ability to pivot. Not every uh, road is going to be the right pathway you want to have. The ability to pivot and then see an open door and try to tackle that opportunity.
1: What would you, uh, you keep saying 50 year plan, but I'm gonna throw it out there. What, what's, what's the next five years look like?
0: So in the next five years, I think, uh, is tackling new organizations that I have no, uh, that have no disability in mind.
1: Ooh, give me one off the top of your head. Um,
0: well, I'm on it right now. I'm in the founding uh, board member for Mentor Texas. Seriously? Yes, so Mentor is based out of Boston and is a national organization that has different affiliates. And their focus is on youth mentorship uh, for anybody uh, and increasing funding for those youth mentoring programs. And so I happen to be the only person with disabilities on that board. And so what I thought was help shape the mindset of an organization that serve everybody by tailoring those with disabilities.
1: So that's in the next five years, which means you're going to probably accomplish that by January. Maybe. That's probably the next two months.
0: Maybe in the next two years.
1: Is this even a fair question, but do you... What do you do with your free time other than maybe when you sleep? When I sleep, I have my ideas. Yes. I wake up and every once in a while I'm like, oh my, it's like a, a songwriter. Yes. I got the lyric. I literally yes. wake up and thankfully my wife is a heavy sleeper but, and we have a temper. <laughs> but I wake up and like, I think I have my next idea. So
0: it's funny you say that. Uh, I have a five minute follow up procedure uh, on any email that I get. So any email or call, if I respond, if I, hear it or read, read that uh, email, I have to follow up within five minutes. Even no matter if gen- what. No matter what, even this generic statement. And so it's funny because I'm sleeping one uh, one day and I was like, oh, I have an idea. I can't sleep. Let me write this down. So I get up and write down at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning and I do that constantly. Same. Same thing with emails. Same. Emails,
1: I try to respond within five minutes after reading it. Same. There's a girl that used to work for me that I don't know what she's doing now, but I remember a few years back she talked about the uh, five-minute drill. And yes. It was, but I do 15-second drill. And if I – because like my old school ways, I would get an email and like, all right, this isn't urgent. i open it. And at the end of the day, I go reply to all of them. But having a sense of urgency with a sense of strategy is, is, uh, is the, my best
0: approach. One thing that I've learned in the customer service realm, Rogers, is that – Our community values people that respond quickly.
1: Yeah,
0: and they don't. They don't. They get a response within a week after. It catches them off guard too. Yeah, and they don't trust them. Mm -hmm. For me, I I respond to. I don't have an
1: automated email. I don't have any. I respond personally from me to you. You're so married to the phone. Yes, it just becomes such a like a nonstop. But session. but it
0: kind of pays off
1: after yeah. a period of time yeah. when people see that
0: authenticity of the uh, the individual responding and at a timely manner and even within seconds they they see that over time and they want to work with you they yeah. want, they trust you enough yeah. to want to you know continue our work together.
1: You look back in forty years, okay, yeah. and uh, you're still a lot younger than me, but we're still both kicking butt. What is your proudest accomplishment? What do you want to be remembered for? Well, that's a tough question. But and, and well, my guess is you have you,
0: a list. Oh. Uh, I do. I, I, <laughs> I do. But I think that today I haven't accomplished much. BS. I swear to God. You can't be like. You can't. I, 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 Get yeah. the book. Well, Where do people
1: buy this book? The book, book is book. great. Where do they buy the book?
0: But the thing is, I, I look at when I, you think about the greatest accomplishment, you want a mass production of people that you help, uh, you know. Help them grow, or help them find employment, and and, and many other things. But long, as I've grown older over the last decade, I've realized policy changes everything. I haven't changed the policy yet, and I feel like it could be organizations, it could be individuals, it could be systems, it could be policy, it could be many things. What I, just, you, what
1: I you, you're going to change a the policy, then you probably have your own policy. What do you do after that?
0: Well, there's going to be, but the thing is, one policy is just one uh, specific area. It may not change the entire trajectory. Yeah. So, for example, housing is its own policy, whereas you know employment is another policy. It, they don't work uh, hand-to-hand. They have two different languages that often need to be changed or improved or modified. And so I believe that policy is important, but I think the biggest impact would be if I was held in office. So I ran for school board a couple of years ago, but I wanted to always... Uh, serve and represent my community. And if I can held a, a position that has the ability to vote or change policy, I think that to be would be my greatest achievement.
1: Um, do you have any desires to like I had a I didn't travel really in my 20s and 30s. Yeah. I didn't really I mean, I've had I have a hobby with this music stuff, but yeah. it, it's What what's your advice for people that really obsess and live what they do for a living? You
0: think it's okay? Uh, fi- it is okay as long as you find your uh, purpose and where you want to go in life. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, my purpose in life is to change policies and change people's mindsets and improve quality of life for people with disabilities. That's my end-of-the-day mission. Which but is, for some people, some people, they they do a balance of both. Mm. They have a purpose to go do artwork or go attending uh, every... Uh, a sports stadium in the country or the world, whatever. I know world cup is coming around. And so, uh, I wish I was over there, but at the end of the day, you know, it's do what you love, but also do find purpose in it and, and find your why first. And then what's your purpose and, and help that shape the direction you want to go.
1: Last question. Yeah. Which, um, will probably be the easiest answer of all the questions. How do we support you? Well, um, so buy the book, first of all. Where do we buy the book? No, well, Where I, do
0: we buy the I, book? I, I, it's all on Amazon or whatever. You can uh, contact me. Come on.
1: Directly. How do we buy the book? And if we, What's your website if they want to contact you and have you sign well, it? Well, it.
0: it's uh, DylanRafferty.com. Look at this. Good-looking guy right here. Yeah,
1: yeah, look
0: so
1: at how. Look at. This was him a, a few years 10, back. Ten years ago. This is now. This is. Wow. So they, they, well, the easiest way to support you is, is how? What do we yeah, do? Uh, so
0: I would just say if you want to support my nonprofit organization, it's just ntxdc.org, and so our goal is to provide community education, and we rely on our partners, chamber partners, to be able to produce
1: year-round community events for our community. And also, the guy is active on LinkedIn. He's one of the best LinkedIn people I've ever met. Well, and so are you. Oh, uh, Listen, that's my biggest regret with networking, literally, is I did not leverage LinkedIn until the pandemic, and I didn't take it would, seriously, and yeah. then I would get on it during you know they're in lockdown or quarantine, and I was like, holy crap, I've missed out on so much.
0: Well, and you are educating people, and you're doing a very good job now. just uh, talking?
1: <laughs> you have a hard time accepting, ex- like, ex- owning your success. Yes. Yeah. No. And again, that's it's to the premise of this podcast. There's and the theme is most of these people don't realize what you've done in such a short amount of time is absolutely, uh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And you're doing it for the right reasons. And I think that's, again, the background of this is how to sell without selling out. Yeah. And you had a 50-year plan. I literally, I don't think I've ever had a, a five-month plan. Yeah. And it, it, it you know, backfired a few times. But uh, you embody everything that I wanted to do when I started doing these. So I'm, I'm grateful for you.